No, Ty reminds me honestly a lot of Keith. And that's why when they were kind of talking, I was like, I kind of want him to ride with you. Because like, because like Corey and I could talk to, we could talk to him at fence. So like if you put a quiet person with a talkative yeah. person, they tend to. And so I know he, even though he will be chatty with his people. Chatty, with yeah. With somebody new, he's good at being a listener. That's why he and I are actually a good pair. Because I'm the one that does all the talking and he just, <laughs> he does this. He just holds his arms like this. Well, and I think that's like a big part that he plays in this too, though, because a lot of the guys that have came in the past, super quiet when they first got here. And you spend a weekend with Heath or Corey or any of these guys and you can't help it. You know, they just start chatting yeah. and making friends. And I mean, a lot of them we've all stayed in contact with too. Oh, yeah. No, no like a Mike King, he was the guy we hosted... Okay, well, three years ago. I can't remember if he was 18, 17, something like that. Mm -hmm. And he actually wrote on the page and was like, how's it going? You know, he wants to get an update. He wanted to know how everybody was doing. And the funny thing was, so the first year we had our event, I don't know if we told you this. So the first year we did it, there was a guy, Flo, who, um, he was a sniper, 27-year retiree, mm -hmm. was just coming out of his, his career, and uh, he was going to become a taxidermist. And so that was like a talking point for Heath and him. And then the next year, we had Mike King show up green beret retiring gonna become a taxidermist <laughs> so yep. it was like our theme like we were just gonna find a taxidermist for heath to you know talk taxidermy talk shop with to connect year. with yeah. yeah it was just kind of funny that we had the, and then the next year we didn't have i was like oh we don't have a taxidermist. we broke the tradition we broke but, the tradition because yeah. this is what year number what do we figure out number four <sighs> i'd have to honestly go back and look i think 16 was the first year that we did it with the club and then yeah so 16 17 18 19 and 20 so this would be fifth well fifth trip mm -hmm. but fourth year right that makes sense so because we did two in one year one was in february and then one is in december last year 19 we did right. the february one and then the one in december with the three so so well so let's give a little bit of background okay the club that puts this on yes houndsman for heroes okay so we'll start with the beginning. So Burnridge Treehound Club, um, which anybody in Oregon kind of kind of knows who they are, uh, was a very old hound club. And it actually started in the 70s. And Johnny Young was a pretty pivotal member of that. And he, they had it going really, I mean, in the 80s and 90s, hound clubs were huge. They just had, it was like being your local Elks Lodge. There was always a lot of guys that were in them. But then after the, you know, the laws changed in the 90s. They ended up kind of dissipating and the club kind of almost went to non-existence. And then around the time, was it 2006, 2007, people were trying to talk, re-talk the numbers because they were noticing the deer populations. They were noticing that the cougar numbers were going up and all that stuff. So it kind of got people revived and they wanted to get together again. And so there was a revision of that club, Fern Ridge, and Johnny came back, um, kind of helped run that. And in the midst of that, we wanted to create a charity and one of the members had actually told us, Hey, there's this thing called wounded warriors in action and got us involved with them and doing the events and stuff. And so it kind of revived the club and we put on a banquet in 16, I believe, mm -hmm. wasn't it? Yeah. I think 16 the was the first 16 year. Was, that was, it was a lot of work and it was nuts, but we made a good chunk of money and we decided to not do like a little event, like a big event. And that's when we rented the big lodge and we had all these people and everything. And, in the midst of that, that's kind of where the birth of Houndsman for Heroes came. It was like, okay, we need to do this right and do it for the, like more than just once a year in this thing, in this big lodge. We wanted to maybe 
do smaller events with you know more frequently if we could and so anyway if that kind of gives the basis of houndsman for heroes and its birth and right where it came from and every year we get to bring in usually two vets yeah. we've done three in the past but that is a that rough i mean because the goal is we want everybody one year we tried four i think we did four yeah, the but second that year one trip we did like five or six days and it, it was it was too long it was too long of a trip i mean you're pretty tired now and this is day what what day are we in i don't even, I know it's saturday what day is it <laughs> two day two is it what's today it's saturday, saturday. right yes yeah, so the thursday Friday. okay so yeah, saturday night so we all started, I know Troy and I, when we got here, what, we left Wednesday, Wednesday. night, and we drove straight through, caught like three hours. We parked in front of the taxidermy shop because we didn't want to wake you guys up coming in <laughs> we, that late. So we crashed out, and then we went out that whole first night, and you guys have been out on the road. What, you guys ran a cat for like 10 hours yesterday, didn't you? One cat, but we were out 26 hours, came back, slept for a couple hours, and went back out. Stayed out another 12 hours. God knows how long. Yeah. Finally got a cat, thanks to you. Oh. And then and then came back uh, after that. So, And Ty's still out. Ty is still out. I know we were wanting to do this with everybody, but it's kind of crazy, this whole hunt. It's just in and out. You know, people are in, they're crashing out, they're taking a couple hour nap and embalming back to the woods. Yeah, we just slept in the truck. Yeah. As much as we, as, as we could, because, I mean, when you get on one of those cats... What I learned this weekend is you just run it as long as you can. And, <laughs> yeah, and you kind of got the crash course. Yeah, those dogs, they put in 31 miles yesterday and, and one race. Oh, I know. Tony's and, got some dogs, man. That yeah. is crazy because they are sore. Talk about commitment. Well, and it's funny because does he, he had to pull his dogs off, didn't he? Yeah, because yes. they got on the private. They didn't want to stop. Nope. So no, he had to pull them off. Uh, so they got down in that private. And that was like four or five o'clock in the morning. And we started, we started on that race at five or six. So you got like broke in right. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, it reminded me of an old CQ duty in the army where you stay up all night long. Right. Yeah. Well, Dennis, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? What's your background? So I'm, I'm Dennis Caswell. I was in the army in the early eighties when there wasn't a whole lot going on. Uh, got married in 85, had three boys, uh, two of the three went in the military. Ty went in the army, uh, I tried to steer him away from what I did, you know, get him into being a mechanic. You know, my thought was that would give him a job when he got out and, and hopefully keep him safe. If he was there. Mm -hmm. It's different being a veteran and sending your kid to a war. You think you should fight, not them as a parent. You believe that that's your job, not your kids. Right. So we worked uh, with Ty to try and find him a good job. He was a, a mechanic. And then when he went to Iraq in 2006, I believe, he was, a, he was a mechanic, but they put him on route clearance jobs. So he was out there anyway. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyway, uh, got Tyra and his brothers raised uh, and still working. Been married 35 years. Everything's working out. There were some questions for a while, you know, when you, oh, yeah. as you raise your kids and you go through life. But it's, it's all good. You just be patient and, and stay the course. And it's all worked out for us. And Ty... Because he's out here. They're still trying to find a cat. Yeah. They're still up there. They probably left, what, a couple hours ago? Yes. We got a hot meal. Awesome yep. dinner. Yep. Thanks, Laurel. Yes, you're welcome. Laurel is like the, the camp chef for the Houndsman for Heroes uh, I, events. I, I have a saying, and it started when we had Fern Ridge, and, and they were, you know, not many, to be fair, when the Hound Club goes, not many wives show up to those meetings. <laughs> right. And so when they do, it's a warm body that's willing to jump up and volunteer to do things. And so um, I saw it as the fact that, well, um, just to preface, if anybody doesn't know who I am, I am Heath Sewell's wife, Laura Lynn. 
and we have four children. I have three boys and a daughter. And with having three boys and with a dad that does have hounds, I decided a long time ago that I am not a houndsman, but I am raising them. So in, in turn, that makes me kind of a houndsman because sure. I'm raising them to support this is a healthy habit. This is a better than, you know, cheaper than cars and it's better than drinking, cheaper than and drugs and alcohol. So if it's running in the woods and gas and dogs, that's their, their addiction, then, then so be it. And it's a memory that they'll have with their dad for the rest of their life and hopefully their kids. And so uh, I try to support that. And if that means that I am the lady who is up at two in the morning <laughs> making biscuits and gravy, this is true. then by golly, I'm going to be the one to do it. So, And, and I'm sure it's a, a family affair, right? The kids are involved with yeah. oh, very much. feeding the dogs and all that. So you all stay pretty connected with that. Well, I remember when, seeing the first picture of Wyatt's first cat. You yeah. know, like that was, no. it's cool to see these kids because like we do the field trial once a year except yeah. for rona season you yeah know, that threw everything off dang rona but it's awesome to see like the families year after year after year and then you start getting into the next generation right and then there's new kids running around heck i had to track colin because colin gravitates towards your kids like crazy because they're fun i mean there's lots of trouble to get into it, it helps when you're part your kids are part feral so they're yeah <laughs> we're raising one of those colin's pretty good the other one's feral but i used to take the tt tracking collar and i put it on him like a belt <laughs> so if he got too far hey i could see where he was and i i think your kids took him down to the yeah, pond or something to yeah pond to go fishing. so i'm like what the hell is he doing he's a long ways out there so That's i said a good parenting tool <laughs> whenever you hear the beep you just come back so we'd hit the the tone button and he'd come running back to camp dad i heard the beep go off you know that was like it was fun for everybody i thought yeah. so yeah i thought it was pretty good but this is the one event that we get to do where everybody it's organized chaos. Oh, I, I mean, mean it's yeah. probably the best way to say it. How many, it kid, how many kids do we have here tonight? Oh, God, I don't even know. Seven, okay, three, eight. four, five, six, six. Oh, the six. other ones were here last The time. other ones oh. were just neighbor kids that just, you know, after six, you stopped They walked counting. in here you like they owned them it. And, oh, yeah, that's what happened. And when that's we so pulled loud. up, the outside was full of kids. Yeah. Which oh, was yeah. Cool. They're all outside playing. They're not in playing Xbox or right. they're all outside playing. No, they were all running around the neighborhood. Yeah. Seven o'clock, whatever yeah. it was. They were trying to rope each other in the yard. They call yeah. it they, cowboy they, jousting. Yeah, cowboy jousting. That's when you try to rope each other and grab grab each other. You actually try to heal each other. Yeah, pull and their feet out. Fall. It's all about fun. safety too, oh, right? Yeah, absolutely. They had helmets on, I'm sure, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. Making them tough. But yeah, it's um, it's usually four days that we got bets here, and we try to do at least two a year. We're talking about doing a couple more, right? Yes. Coming I would, up in February. Yeah. We have a couple more vets. Um, so one of our guys actually that we hosted last year um, is loved it, got super, wants to be super involved and um, has a goal of us having a couple more guys. So uh, we'd like to maybe have it more in the central Oregon area, still working on trying to find a location to host that out of, but our goal would be to, to host those couple guys as well. Um, because I mean, you don't want to say no, when you got guys lined out, you don't want to tell them no. So. No. Uh, for for a long time we've we've just done the one event a year and i think it's where we've we had some growing pains because you got to get the feel for it you got to get the feel for what works what doesn't work there's a lot of logistics yeah no there's a lot of logistics to it and now that i feel like we've got a good base i feel like we could do two events we're ready for it and we got really I lucky so. this year with a couple of very generous donors um and because Can we, we are, give them a shout out I mean, yes okay so uh we have uh, Armstrong Cutting out of Sweet Home gave us a nice chunk, uh, enough to actually basically make this event. We we recovered the complete event, 
And also we were able to buy, I'm going to say the rifle wrong. I'm going to let you tell the rifle that you guys got because I'm going to be a Do you girl remember? Of it. course. A Savage 17 HMR. With scopes, yes. With yep. weaver scopes. Yep. And then two jumbo boxes of bullets. Two 500 round boxes of sequentials. Yes. They came off the assembly line. Boom, boom. What yours is? 5.5? Five, five, his is 5.6? Five, my, my last three is 8.88. Eight, eight. His is 8.89. Uh, eight. There you go. And uh, that came from the Dover Spike family, Stephen Dover Spike and his wife, Danielle. And uh, so big thank you to them um, because that, that basically covered that event. And if, if we are able to pull one off come January or February in, in Central Oregon, I think the donation from Armstrong Cutting will actually cover that as well. So we were very very excited to get that donation from them um, because every, as a nonprofit, nobody is paid. We're a very small right. board. Um, we're not a lot of people. Jason, you know, because he doesn't have enough going on in his life, is also yeah. a board member of, of Housing for Heroes. And you're so. raising five <laughs> kids know. counting and Heath. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, we, we all believe in what we are doing. So I think the one thing I would like anybody who actually listens to this podcast to understand is that when we did this event, the very first time um, while we were there, um, actually Flo, uh, his grandfather passed away, unfortunately, in the midst of that hunt. And that was after he'd been had a 24 hour, 26 hour day in the truck. And he came inside and he just I think the sleep deprivation and the emotions kind of got and he just opened up to everybody. And I, we were sitting in the around the fire at the house and by the time he was done talking, like I was crying. I'm pretty sure a few guys were trying to hold it in. And it was like, he was so overwhelmingly thankful for what we were doing. And I told him that what we're doing is nothing in comparison to what he had been through and what he was sharing with us. And I just, I just, in that moment we left and I told Heath, I'm like, we have to do this again. Like if this little thing, if this tiny thing of making a meal and you know, just doing what, I mean, if I'm being, if to any houndsmen that are probably a part, <laughs> houndsmen being telling, told you have to go hunting is like not a hard thing to no, do. Not, and not if really. you know that it has an end purpose that really has a, has like, it has depth to it besides just a hunt, then you're like, okay, why would I not want to do this again and again and again? I look forward to it every year. So, and Troy won't be on the podcast with us, but my buddy Troy Terry here, I've been bugging him for years to He's come waving. on this hunt with like, us. No, no, no. I can talk about you. You did a good job today. So you did we're an all, excellent job. Right. Right. He spotted that cat track at no joke, probably 20 miles an hour, 30 miles an hour. We were bombing. I mean, we were ready to go hit another road. And I see arm grab the oh shit bar. <laughs> I stop. I mean, he spotted it right then and there. And it was. And that's not an easy thing to do. Look at that cat track as you're driving down the no. road when there's other tracks probably on either side of it. Pick that out. I would say in the last three days, we've probably driven, I'm going to say 300 woods miles pretty easily and probably past 10,000 rabbit tracks. We've seen some smoke and hot coyotes. I mean, I think we bumped them out of the road, a couple of them. Right. But and I, mean, and I, had, I had Corey and Tony's two dog teams traveling with me for the last two days, mm -hmm. trying to get me into some, some cats, and we were on several chases. And, and then you two today, that's three teams that I had, you know, doing all they could to make me successful and get a cat. And, you we know, were, we were able to do it tonight in the dark, and that's, that's pretty exciting. And it's something that we talked about was, you know, have you suffered enough yet, right? <laughs> Have you had enough? Can we get yeah. down to it? Have, have you suffered enough? Have you been up long enough? Have you not eaten long enough? All those things. And at the end of the hunt, 
the last day I'm going out that night in the dark, we get a nice cat out of the tree. So I have to ask, what was your like your preconceived notion before coming out? Well, you know, I did this mainly to spend time with Ty, you know, um, you know, as you, as you grow older, your kids have kids, you don't get to see your kids quite as much. So my, I, I didn't really have a preconceived notion. I kind of thought that, you know, maybe Ty and I would be together, but we spent all the time coming up here together and we have stories to tell one another and the ride back home. And it's good to get him connected with other folks that are like-minded, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of gives him a chance to blow off some steam and I'm sure that your kids are different when they're not with you, right? Yeah, yeah probably. So <laughs> I'm sure Ty probably felt a little more comfortable to talk with uh, with Heath than had I been there. So it's great. That's great. And and to think about all the work that 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 you guys put in, that Tony put in, that Corey put in, all that for us. Ty said on the way up here, I can't believe that people are willing to do all of this just for us because. We served our country, and really, in our, in, our, in my opinion, it's an honor to serve your country, to protect everyone's life and liberty and all of those things that we all value and appreciate. And if veterans didn't do that, people that are out there protesting, burning things up, they wouldn't be able to do that. So we are so appreciative for this, and we look forward to it for so long. And, and it's operationally, there's a lot going on here that, that we never knew anything about. You're looking at the reason it happens. <laughs> Putting all the donations together and all those things, all of the food, the gathering everybody up, paying for all the fuel, the ammo, and everything else that goes into it. There's a lot of work that goes into it. And it's recognized by those of us that come and, and reap all of your hard work that you guys do. And and it's it's appreciated. It was a great time. Um spending two days in the pickup with the guys that I hung out with was, you know, it's a great time getting to know those guys and build those relationships that you hope go on for a lifetime. The the relationships you build in this community, I think they last. You you might go through your rough times or you, you know, it's like everybody kind of has that competitive streak a little bit, but overall I have met more good, solid people through this hound community than any other way in my life. I think. And it's, it's really cool to see you guys come in because the military, I mean, it's a brotherhood too. And to come kind of have you guys come and share this, like for us, I mean, it's the least that we can do. I know we've talked about this a lot. Yeah. All we do is drive around. We're going to go hunting, whether you're here or not. I mean, we, I guarantee all of us would have been in the woods this weekend. So we feel honored to have you guys come and it's, it's a big deal. I, I really enjoy this hunt. So I, the, this is going to be the, one of the big, big questions. Would you go again? Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Didn't, the, the sleep deprivation and the, the uh, well, you won him over with Mountain House. Corey gave him his first Mountain House meal that's not an MRE. Should, should we plug Jet Boil? Because <laughs> right? they, they played a big part this weekend. It was the most valuable player, that Jet Boil. Yeah. We, so Troy and I were running this cat and we didn't, I don't know, Troy, how long do you think we ran that thing? At a little over an hour. Yeah, we had a pretty good lose on it. They they took it up. I had to walk up the hill, that rock face, and kind of get them to go. And then one of Troy's old dogs and Rain took off, and they ended up popping down to the road. And what we were worried about was if they'd get it moved out because it looked like a really good track, you know, but they weren't screaming it real good. So they ended up going down across the creek and treeing up on the other side. Well, we got a hold of them on the radio, and apparently Lucchini set his e-brake. 
and it is so cold out there, it was locked up solid. It froze. So thank you, Jetboil, for making a <laughs> an e-brake thawing out device and Dover Spikes Ingenuity. You could you could pretty much write an encyclopedia of books of all the weird things you do on a hound hunt. Oh like that gosh. you never thought in your life that you would ever do. You guys, every year there's a new story, and I'm like, I would have never thought. That that and y'all think we're we crazy. I mean, I don't need more. This is now 17 years of this stuff. So at this point, there's I don't think there's anything I would I'm not gonna hear at some point. I learned all kinds of stuff. All kinds of different, you know, terminologies that I'd never heard of before. And that's what I was curious because I haven't got to spend any time in the truck with you. Is the terminology and you know, there's a lot into it. And I'm sure coming from no hound experience, it was kind of zero, yeah. So, yeah. like, what were some big ones that stood out, like, terminology-wise? Uh, we talked a lot. Of, I asked a lot of questions about, you know, these these cats and, you know, where do they run and what do they hunt and, you know, am I using the right size of weapon and all, all those types of things. And, and Corey and Stephen were more than patient with me to explain all those things. And, uh, you know, just other things that you can't talk about on podcasts that they, you know, taught yeah. me as we... Drove through the woods. I mean, to spend 26 hours in the cab of a couple guys that you never met before. Yeah. That it's morning, crazy. That morning at 3 a.m., you load up in the truck, never talking to these guys for other when you first meet them. And then you spend 26 hours in that truck together. There's a lot to talk about, buddy. There's, There's nothing to else to about. do but talk because yeah. we drove a lot of ground without getting a cat started. And it's cool watching the GPS and all that kind of stuff, you know, the tracking colors. And, and I would ask because I'm the guy going out to shoot them. Mm-hmm. How far are they? You know, right. how far away are they? And and they look at that GPS and not only do they tell you uh, how far away they are, but which dog is there yeah. and which dog is circling the tree, which dog isn't with the pack. Yep. And it's pretty cool to watch all that, you know, for the first time I'll, I'll take place and, and have some experts, you know, showing you how all that works. And then when you come up, you've got a completely different system than the way they have. And you're able to do the same type of, I mean, you, you told me how many times your dog had barked. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you, they're a cool piece of technology and it's crazy that well, shoot. California was one of the last places to legalize it. Mm-hmm. Like they flat would not let us use them down there because they said it was an unfair advantage for the game. And when it's it, really and, about the dog. Honestly. And as houndsmen, we're like, that dog is more value to me than I don't want to say my kids, yeah, but they're more value to me than your kids. Um, <laughs> you know, we want to get that dog back and it's a safety thing. Like when I, they hit a road or I don't see how it, any kind of advantage other than, you know, where your dogs are and you know, if one isn't there, yep. you know what they're doing uh, and you're not traipsing all around the country trying to find with the dogs and where they're at. If they get separated, you can find them. If the weather turns, they're right there. Mm-hmm. You can bring them in. And then, it was really it was really cool to watch Tony bring the dogs in after 31 miles. We're sitting in the truck side by side. He starts honking his horn, mm-hmm. and then you watch the GPS, and those dogs start coming in. He honks and he honks and he honks, and within 15 minutes, all the dogs are there, and yep. all the dogs are nice. You know, they're they're all friendly. You can pet them all. You know, I'm a big dog guy, and you know you can love on the dogs and rub their ears. Well, they like all, it. They're all cool with that. And then tonight when we shot that cat, dog comes up and jumps up on me and I'm petting her and telling her what a good girl she is. Hopefully it was a girl. It was. That was Rosie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. You work together with them and the commitment, the level of commitment those dogs have 
to run for 10 to 12 hours chasing and they're running because we're watching them they're moving the entire time the level of commitment those dogs have that's bred into them it's it was pretty amazing to watch well it's it's funny that you mentioned the thing about their kindness because i think that is a misconceived notion for some people that like they think that because they're a hunting dog that they're going to be like vicious or something and they're just, they're the most genuinely sweet. I mean, don't get me wrong. There is a, sometimes a bad apple in a barrel. Like in the 17 years Heath and I have been together, he has had one dog that was not nice. The rest will knock a kid over to lick him to death. Right. But that's about, I mean, it's, it's so nice to have something like that and not have it be a concern as a parent for your kid. They were all good. Your dogs, Corey's dogs, all the dogs were great. Tony's dogs. They're just like any other dog. All. Yeah. yeah. They just... They have a special skill set. They're focused. Very. Yeah. I mean, they've got a good skill set. They know what they're doing and, and they love doing it. Sure. And I think that's the biggest part that people don't. Let me ask you this. Did you see any of us make a dog do anything? No, I watched um, <laughs> I watched you all bring those dogs, three, three different teams, bring the dogs out of their enclosures. Mm-hmm. Dog boxes. Dog boxes. Take them to the trail. Some of them we would take to the trail. The others wouldn't. They just knew the drill. Mm-hmm. They sniffed that track, and then they were gone. See you later. Yeah. They were gone. You could hear them barking. And then uh, the two that we were on today, both of them, I think the one that we shot was 800, 800 yards away through yeah. a ravine, across a creek, and up a couple hills. Bunch of blowdowns, bad blowdown patch, yeah. and willows, because that stupid creek was not froze solid enough no it was like enough to make me really nervous because i knew i i'm a big guy i'd break through it and snow and snow and ice and lots of when you say blow down all the logs we had to climb over and traverse and the dogs too mm-hmm. you know some of the dogs go over some of the dogs go under i mean it's cool to watch them work some of them just run down the hill some of them are like me they're kind of slow and watching their steps or where they go you know i mean it was it was a it was a great experience, and then to shoot the cat and watch it fall, and then watch the dogs make sure the cat's done. Yep. And and of all the cat dogs we had out there tonight, only two of them were on that cat on the ground. Yeah. It's funny you talked about. The and they backed cat. off. Did you? I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, that they had a blowdown. Well, whatever day before yet. Well, yesterday basically, I guess when they came back in, and. Ty actually, they were looking for the chainsaw on somebody else's rig, and they tur- he turned around, and Ty literally had like bear hugged a log yep. and like lifted it out of the middle of the road, and he's like, "What are you doing?" They're oh, just moving the log. Like, okay. Well, it pays to be six eight and yeah. you know three hundred. It was pounds. legitimate. He is not yeah. a small human being. No, I'll tell you that. I don't know where I don't know where he, he is. A it. mountain of a man. That was why when he showed up, and I we had talked about having them stay here at the house you guys because we wanted you to be close to the food and everything yeah. going on and i'm like i am not putting him in a travel trailer look like bed. buddy that the elf not going to happen at all that was a rough road so you know when you tell the best way to keep a secret between three people is tie two of them up and throw them in the river right right we all yeah, know that right, so right. i'm going to be held accountable because that was the same road that the back window might have happened to blown out of the w dodge i haven't told buddy yet but i'm hoping i get a chance to talk to him before this podcast work related kinda. yeah i don't know how insurance is going to cover that though because antenna busting out your back window probably won't get covered well but it was a limb that knocked it off wasn't it i think a deer ran into the back of it That's i didn't hit anything a deer no, must have done it not. I, 
but yeah, same road because Heath and I've hunted with Heath off and on for what now, Laurel, probably seven years, give or take seven, eight years. Heath is really good about getting people fired up. I mean, fired up about what we do. And then he gets in his truck and he drives a hundred miles an hour and he does never look in the taillight or never looks in the rearview mirror. He doesn't care who's behind nope. him. He has left me in the middle of the woods. I can't even tell you how many times. No idea where he's at. It used to bother you. It used to. And now I just got over it. So this is where the back window came from. So Troy and I are sitting at the end of this road. Dogs are trying to get this cat started. And he takes off down this little road and it was a hound hunter road. I guess I'll say. The road is a loose term is what you're trying to say. No, it was a legit two-track, maybe. I don't know. It it got a little tight. There were some rough roads. Yeah, it was a little rough. Yeah. So Troy says, that road goes all the way through. We thought it was just a dead end, so I was waiting for him. And when he said, that road goes all the way through, I knew if I didn't get on his back bumper, he was going to take off and leave us. He says he wouldn't, but do you believe... I neither can confirm nor deny. Good answer as the wife. <laughs> he would have left me there, people. I, you would have you would have been uh, trailing him for 12 we would hours have like at the dog. least. <laughs> so we get bombing down this road and we're going along. Doo, 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 and I just hear this really loud pop. And it took me a minute to understand what happened. And as that, it was like a cartoon and like all the back window of the truck just started kind of falling off in pieces. Apparently the antenna had got knocked off and whipped the back window and it just shattered that back window. There's glass everywhere. I saw this morning and it was like six degrees when I was out there. It was rough. It's cold. It was a little cold coming down the mountain. We did fix it. Thanks to big R Burns, Oregon. They had some painters plastic and Corey loaned me some hundred mile an hour tape. So we got that all taped up. Did the target box help you? No, it was a little too small. So I should have ordered more from target. Yeah. Yeah, order like a TV size, extended TV box. But yeah, that was um that was a rough road going down in there. But that that's the history of Heath. You really want to be in the truck with him if you want to enjoy no, the trip the see, most. There's, there's another theory to that. There's actually been memes shared multiple times on social media saying that riding with Heath, you are taking your life into your own hands. So That's true is, also. You either are following him and hoping to find him or you're finding Jesus behind the wheel well i saw ty in the vehicle with him yesterday and he looked completely content (laughs) so it must be going okay it's a trust thing you just gotta hold on you You get right with the lord and just (laughs) play your cards is is ty a speed demon guy or is he a cautious Uh, i I believe ty has got probably some of that in his past yes driving driving too fast more than likely having never never witnessed it myself you know as the dad but I'm i'm pretty sure it's happened i just wonder what everybody that has a radio and is listening to what we do on this mountain, like the radio chatter and the singing and the, Oh my gosh. What? So Heath's, Heath, it, Heath is like his own package. I, I, as the wife, you got I experience it all the time. I did get a catch. You lucked out. I did. I lucked out. He's quite the, it's fun because anybody that gets to hunt with Heath sees the, I, you missed it, Dennis. You're going to have to come back over and experience the Heath, the Heath show because he gets all excited, like almost like a little kid, like on Christmas. And he oh, just, yeah. and he's not, I'm, I'm the extrovert in the relationship. He's the introvert. He doesn't want to talk in front of people. He doesn't want to stand up for nothing. Like him, he would, didn't even want to t- talk about doing the podcast. Cause it's just not, his Oh yeah. Thing. We couldn't get him on no, here. He was like, no, I'm not doing that. I can't do that. And 
But then you get him in a hound situation and he's just, I mean, he, he twinkles, does he not? Like Very much. he literally just is like twinkling and then excited and singing and puts your name in a song as he's singing to either Alabama. Usually or the Alabama inf- Christmas. Yes. The Christmas album. Or That's our favorite. His great uncle who makes CDs and is in his 80s. And uh, the, the one that everybody gets is the, the cattle, cattle call, call. Yep. which is, should be the hound call now. It should be. called the Heath Hound Call. I don't know. Come up with his own name. He come up with his own album of songs he's created over the years of people in it. I'm excited to hear if Ty has stories of the songs he has sang to him. Oh, I, I can't wait to hear those I'm, myself. I really wish. I know. I wish we could have Ty here. It'd be cool to listen to them sing together. Oh, we could make it happen. Yeah. A duet. Some kind of Christmas album would be cool with the two of them. Yeah. Nope. He likes Thistle Hair, the Christmas Bear from Alabama. That's his. Yeah, that's our song. Yeah. Did you know that? Oh, that's your song. Yeah, that's mine and Heath's song. No, I don't know. We just we always sing it. Something to do. Maybe I did ask him to call me Cinnamon Bear for the rest of the trip. Oh, there you go. So. Why not? Yeah, and we've got you guys are headed out tomorrow. Yeah, we got to go back home. So we're really hoping Ty gets a cat tonight. Yeah, we are because we have really. They've worked their tail off trying to get him. Every year we've done pretty good. Joe had the curse. I mean, he's missed a lot of years being the Joe, one guy. Joe was our, we had him our first year. Yep. He was the first year. And then was it nine? No. Yeah. It was 19. It was three years. I think it took him to get a cat. Yeah. I think it was February, March. Yeah. February of 19 before he actually filled his tag. Mm-hmm. So it took him a little while. For so it worked out good. Well, it's certainly not due to a lack of effort. No. No. Those guys are still up there. Last night, 3 o'clock in the morning, we went up there. I think Ty and Heath came back at 6 and had something to eat. Yeah. And then went back. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They were here for And they were there all night. Yeah. And came back again today for a little bit. And then went back, and they're still there. And they'll probably be there until they catch a cat. Right. And based on the weather, I would assume it might be morning before they roll in. I, I wouldn't expect to see them tonight because they really started moving. I'm going to say we ran into Tony and those guys, what, probably one o'clock. And then they started moving. We cut a couple more. We started that one of ours probably at about 3.30 or so. And we they treat it before dark, but we didn't get to it until well after. So, I mean, the cats are starting to move, but it is cooling down up there. It got, I was like nine degrees coming down the mountain tonight, but it warmed up to about 33. So it felt like 80 packing yeah. that cat I'll back, uh, back up out of there. That's a good right? feeling, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. My feet weren't cold anymore. You I forget mean, forget about yeah, it. Yeah. It felt like it was 80 coming out of there, but you know, you get back in the truck and, and look at the gauge and it says, you know, six degrees or whatever. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I wanted to talk about your, um, the GPS system again. What another thing that really impressed me about that there's lots of roads up there, mm-hmm. and in order for us to get on that cat, we we dump them out on one road, and then your GPS helps you find the other road that would be closer to where they where they currently are, yeah. and you can track those cats with those roads, which is you know just like a navigation on your phone yeah. only on those. Yeah, as long as your dogs are no on the right trail, you're good. You yeah. know, we actually almost had you guys go up farther down the creek. It would have been about twice as far of a walk for you, but you wouldn't have had to go down that ravine and over all the blowdowns. It would have been like, I'm going to say close to double the distance. But a lot of times it's not where you got to go, it's how you get there. 
All the obstacles, right? Mm -hmm. And the snow and the ice and the cricks and all that, yeah. And safety-wise, too. Exactly, yeah. Going twice as far, you know, you double your chances of getting hurt trying to get there. Well, and see, he's the generation. I mean, 17 years ago when we got together, they had telemetry, which was basically like you hold an antenna as you stand outside your rig and you kind of walk around going like this, looking for the loudest beep sound, and then you just kind of head in that direction. And so there was a lot of time spent back then like just looking just for dogs looking for your, and not knowing half the time if you were in an area if you didn't go into an area you didn't know there was more time just trying to figure out how to get there yep. and then try and but then by the time you figured out where to get you're trying to figure out where your dogs went because they could have cut and turned the opposite direction and so and the accountability of your dogs yeah. you got them all so you know you can go home you got all the dogs oh i haven't left a dog in the woods since we got gps yeah. I mean, or maybe I would say maybe one, but I knew exactly where he was. It was just, I had to wait till morning to get in safely to get him, but I was there, um, you know, used to, it was not a big thing. You'd lose a dog for three, four days once a year, you know, because you just literally it's an unfiltered radio signal. You're just trying to find a beep, but if there's a rock pile, you can get a back beep. The telemetry is a lost art at this point. Like the old timers or those of us that still hunted with it. we should take him on one of those let's get dennis back round two (laughs) we'll just run telemetry and see what he has to say we'll run a podcast after that i'll just take your word for it man i I like what you have going on i was impressed by that the new technology has made it so different and i want to say i don't want to say easier because it's still a lot of effort you have less worry about your dog yes that is 100 percent what accountability of your animals the safety of them i think is well worth the cost of that system, in my opinion. Well, we the think one about hunt it. that I've gone on. I mean, somebody's pet, they'll spend stupid money on. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. You know, for us, $300 collar on a dog that saves us tens of thousands of dollars in fuel driving around looking for them. Or, or vet fees because they've been out for days. And, you, and you can swap that out on different dogs, right? Yep. You just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, you can put it on your kid. It, I mean, <laughs> right. Whatever yeah. works. Right? I forgot. <laughs> Evidently, that works. It thing, does. I didn't even know. Now, the last time I experienced telemetry, I was probably three months pregnant with our daughter. And then he struck the, the old beater hunter truck that's out there, ran into a tree, and then we had to walk out. So that was the, uh, this is the end of the chapter of where Laura Lynn goes dog hunting with Heath. And I think I've gone twice since then with him. You're like, but, oh, Heath, you really know how to have a good time. <laughs> right. I was like, I'm never doing this again. And since then, his pack has obviously gotten a little bit better, of course. Mm-hmm. Minus our poor cougar death. But, I know. Um, yeah, our good old cougar boy that we lost this last year. But um, no. But then kids and life happen. So I've, I probably should be a better wife about going out with him than I do. But I. It's timing. I know. Danny used to hunt with me all the time, you know, until. Hey, I went through a couple of years. I wasn't real fun to be around in the woods. And then the kids, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. And when you're having that support system at home, it's different. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. If, if like, say Ty gets into this and he decides that his oldest boy, like gets like, to be like five or six and wants to take one. It's just when mom goes the whole, I think when mom goes to anything, the whole dynamics just oh, change. Yeah, yeah. Right. So if, if it's dad buying Beef jerky at a gas station at 2 a.m. That's really cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> Wait, they mom would it. be like, no, you don't need any pop. Yeah, that's how it works. You know what else was kind of uh, humorous to me with the dogs is the dogs that didn't get a go 
you know, because maybe they ran, they're older and they ran so hard the next day to watch him sit in the dog box and pout because they didn't get to Yeah. They wouldn't even put their head out the window anymore for you to pet them. They're like, they're all mad because they don't get to go. Yep. Funny how they get, um, we, we have a, well, Oreo, I don't know if you've got, you didn't get to run much. Yeah. I I met Oreo. Yeah. So she's, we call her her, our Houdini and she knows when he fires that truck up that he may or may not be going hunting. So she barks. And then if we leave, we now have like hog panels on the top of our kennels because she will legit climb out. She's keeps finding holes. And half the time he's like, I think this is where she's getting out because she wants to go. Like she genuinely just wants to go hunting. And it's funny that they get attached. They get really attached. Oh yeah. That's her thing. And like Cougar. Oh, sorry. So our, our old dog that passed this last year, he was, somebody had a Cougar on their property. It was getting into cattle and stuff. And so they called Heath and. Keith goes to get him, fires the truck up, and he had the, he had a lead in his hand. He wasn't going to leash him because he would go right to the box. He walked in there, and he opened the kennel up, and Cougar just like, I'm ready. Sat down, and he was like, he knew what he was supposed to do, and he got excited, and he loaded right up in the dog box. And it's like, once they know that they get to do their job, they're like, it's much, they're like a it's water, business. well-behaved child. They're yep. just ready to go. Let's do it. And then they come back so tired, you know, and lay down and lick their feet. And I just thoroughly impressed with the dogs and their work and i'm glad you got to spend some time with some dogs because yeah. i didn't know how much was in the truck yeah and how much you got to see dogs work because the biggest thing i get every year from from the hunters is they had no idea that those are like really are there are dogs they just happen to be hounds and we happen to do what we do with them but you know they get back and they see us all feeding them like i guarantee every dog out there was fed before we came up and yeah, ate. right. That's right. Oh, yeah. You know, it's and watered. Yep. Yeah, and water. You know, you get them all taken care of because if you don't take care of them, you know, if we treated our dogs the way some of these people think that we treat them, we would never in a million never years be able to do what we do. It's like taking a Olympic athlete; they have to train, they have to feed, they have to do everything right to perform at that peak level. You know, and if you don't do it, put in your work, three hundred and sixty three days a year, you know, that well, one day. Well, look at the day. cat. The cat is made to run out there on top of that snow. Mm-hmm. Dogs made for various terrains, so the cat's got an advantage. Right. Those dogs just stick with that, regardless of their pads getting sore or whatever. They they stick with it until that cat is either treed, or as I or, found out this weekend, in, in a cave or in a up. huge brush pile. Those dogs are right, and then they won't leave until you go get them. You got the full spectrum. Yeah, I got it you know, all, really yeah. thinking yeah. of the yeah. story, you really did get to see a lot of woods time that most people don't. Yeah, it was. I mean, that watching that, I didn't, get, I didn't see that cat go into that cave, but it went into a really small cave that the dogs could barely get into, and it just stayed there. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Stephen could hear it growling from the other end. It had an exit hole, and then the other big cat just beeline for a huge brush pile that was like a hundred yards long. So. It's not like you could burn it or anything crazy like that. I, we, or move st- some of the twigs. It was so huge. It's like he knew what it was yeah, there, huh? It, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's same with that, that cave. cat's used that yeah. before, oh, I yeah. guarantee sure. it. No. So we've yeah. talked about that because one of the cats, I think that they were pushing around, was it Wednesday night? No, it wasn't Wednesday. Whatever. Oh, the one over on Myrtle Creek? Yeah. They they just, they keep, it's that they've ran that cat multiple times. It, it doesn't get to be a big old cat by being stupid. Right. They're and there's so plenty smart. of trees for it to climb in. Yeah. But it, it, it found that cave and it yep. found that brush pile. Yeah. Yep. They well, know. I like hearing people that are like new to the hound experience, like their perceptions. 
it's amazing to see uh, your take on it because like you're you're noticing that the tracking systems really keep track of the dog and then you're noticing like how much the dogs love it because like we see that right but then you kind of go yeah, yeah they really do love it like you know well and i think it's different to tell somebody how we feel about them and experience it. and experience it like i can i can tell you any narrative i want to tell you but the true fact is when you see it with totally fresh eyes right you know, so it, it makes us feel good that we're leaving that kind of impression. Yeah, no, I, I watched the houndsman uh, pick up a tired dog and put him in the box, not expect him to jump up in there after running for 31 that three feet's miles. rough after that many yeah. miles. Yeah. 31 miles in 10 hours. Mm-hmm. No, no break. Nope. You're watching them the whole time, you know, run. I mean, talk about they are athletes. And when you look at them, they're lean, they're healthy, they're happy. I mean, it's a. Uh, for them, it's a pretty good life, I think. Yeah, yeah you get to go play all the time. That's right? it, man. That's your job. They love it. Chasing cats or bears or whatever they're chasing, man. That's what it, they're bred to do. You know, and it's all over the U.S., which is a cool thing because yeah. I've got, well, not even the U.S. I've got friends now like Bear. He's from uh, Finland. And Rasmus, we had on the podcast not too long ago. He's from Nova Scotia. I mean, well, they run them in Mexico, I think. Too, Mexico, everything from jaguars to deer. It, it's really cool to see how versatile and what these people have done with these dogs to split them. You know, like some specialize in cats. Like a guy with cat dogs is going to outrun a lot of guys that don't have cat dogs. You take those dogs and put them on a bear. It's usually a different story. You know, they, they really fine tune into the game they chase. But I'm. I'm really glad and feel very fortunate to have had you there because we really did not know where you guys were. Yeah. Like we happened to bump into them at that brush pile. Right. We didn't know what was going on. And we went on up the mountain to try to find another track, ended up getting the truck stuck, got that shoveled out and came back down. And we We were were just glad to find you guys because my biggest fear on one of these hunts is always getting a cat and not being able to get a vet there because it did happen one year didn't it uh yes we had well they thought that they had one they had a hot with it what they thought was a hot track oh, and i think it ended up it. being okay and they didn't they didn't end up getting anything but we got we we were we had a communication issue because it was that year that the snow was just was so horrible. thick and deep and so by the time they got over there it was an older track but they and it was one of those cats that was just he was a smart old tom oh yeah was running circles so Keith would know that story better but before all this, did you know anybody that had hounds or ran hounds or anything like that before? No. So this is a all new. And now you know a bunch of and, us. And now I know several. Yeah. yeah. You got like eight new best friends. Right. <laughs> yeah. That you spent 26. And it's yeah. funny that you, you made a comment about that. And like, I, I think that's one of the things that we hope actually is part of the experience. Well, number one, my goal is hopefully that it's not too easy. And I don't mean that in a weird way. I mean, like. When you work for it, it wants you to like, sweat a little bit. Did it bit. not feel really rewarding today? Like it was like all oh, this time and yeah. effort. And we're like, yes, like I, I want because I feel like it's like when you take a kid buck to shoot a, like when our kids go sh- out hunting with their dad and they want to go shoot a buck and they're like, Wyatt this year was all I want to shoot. I'm not going to shoot anything less than a four point. It's like, dude, you're and how 12. old's Wyatt? You're yeah. 12. <laughs> like, can we start with, I don't know, like a three point and not even a big three point. Can we just do like a, right. like, can we can, like set some normal standards here? Don't and shoot so, dad's yeah, target. Yeah, you don't want him to just show up, get in the truck, drive out, and shoot one. It's like, what was the fun of that? Yeah, Ty's like, first buck was a little forked horn with 
the, the antlers are like the size of a number two pencil <laughs> that you couldn't really see until it turned itself and the ears were hiding it before that. The one where yeah. you're looking at the binoculars and you're like, yeah. I think it might, wait, no, yep, yep, uh, yep, yeah, it's Yeah, I fun. think that's a fork. <laughs> yeah. The ones you look at long enough to think there's no way that's a bucker. It'd be out of here yeah. by now. <laughs> it's too stupid to be still standing here. No, but that 20, the time in the truck, it's like when you go deer hunting or, you know, turkey hunting, some of those, you have to be quiet. You can't really be conversing with each other. You're, I mean, you might be together where this, there's so much time in the rig that you're talking and getting one-on-one. And it's, uh, at least with some of the vets that we've had, they've said that they actually were glad that it wasn't overwhelming because they were worried that like you, they're like, we don't know any of these people and we're showing up and, and then we're going to meet these guys and then I'm going to be having to go hunting with them and I don't know who they are. And you get that like one-on-one connection a little bit. Cause I know Corey even made kind of close connections with a couple of the other guys we had before and made plans to go hunt with them outside of our events. And so that 26 hours you get, get in tight quarters. Man, I tell you, and I learned a valuable lesson today that I don't want to pass along to your audience is we were at that cat that went to the brush pile paralleling the road, not far from the road, maybe, I don't know, 500 meters or whatever paralleling the road and Corey said hey get ready sometimes those cats will cross the road so i'm getting the rifle and everything ready to go and i get out get the rifle and that's when you guys had pulled up right behind us yep. and i'm as i pass by the door i slam it shut and Corey's like oh you just slammed that door shut and when you did that cat turn went the other way so I had to pay my penance by walking an extra two or 300 yards that the cat ran the other way, more than likely because it heard that door slam. So there's a lot that goes into it. You know, like there's times that you can be loud, but the one, one thing I will tell you is when dogs are running and a hound guy's mouth is shut, that's when you want to be quiet because they're listening. Those voices are telling us a story of what's going on. I mean, and I'm sure all, most yeah. of our listeners know that because they do what we do, but you can learn so much to the point. I mean, like I asked Tony on that cat, cause he says, that's a nice track. It should be a good runner. I said, do we want to keep him above this road or do we want to let him get on the other side? And his answer was, it's rocky on both sides. Let him go where he's going. But you know, if you can watch that GPS, you can manipulate how those cats run. Sometimes I know we do it with our Fox. And it can make a big difference because they'll get into those areas like that brush pile. If you could keep that cat the other side of the road, you might catch him. Where right. other times he's going to head straight for hotel, motel, and nowhere to hit away. It's funny that you talked about asking Tony too because it's like Keith, yeah, he's been doing it for 17 years, but he's just now to the point probably in the last five to 10 that he feels like he can, you know, not, I don't want to say he's comfortable, but like, He's a veteran enough out there that he doesn't. He he's not gonna, a spring chicken. Yeah, no, he's not. Where Tony's got way more years of experience, and that you turn to him and you're like, "What should we do in this situation?" Because you aren't normally a snow bobcat guy. Yeah, I'd never hunt. And so cats to usually. turn to t- Tony and be like, "Hey, what what's the best call at this point?" Because mm-hmm. Tony's been doing this a long time. Thirty years. Yeah, so more probably. It's just cool that you know we have that innate ability that it after this much time, he knows what the cat's going to do. Mm-hmm. Like I would, you, I mean, I'd be like, Oh, cause I was <laughs> looking at it. Shoot. I'm like, that cat's going to hit this ridge. And he's going to like, this is what I think is going to happen. And he's like, just let him go. And when he tells you to let him go, you let him go. And it worked out. Yeah. You, you know, we would, uh, as the dogs were out doing all the work, we could just sit back and build a fire. Yeah. 
And Dover Spike builds a good fire. Oh, the world class. And we would sit back, sometimes two at a time. We just sit back and, and just kind of hang out around the fire, watch the dogs, because, you know, I learned this the last few days that just because of circling a tree doesn't mean something's up there. Give it a little exactly. bit of time and, and wait. And, you know, you don't want to walk 800 yards through the snow and ravines and the ditches and all the, all the trees for nothing. So no, you, you don't. Get, you got some time. And I, I think I asked, it may, it may have been you, how long will that cat stay in that tree? Because it might take me a while to get there. And oh, just like, hey, they'll, they'll stay there as long as the dog's at the bottom barking. So you got some time to get there. So there's no sense in rushing, hurrying, getting hurt, trying to get out there. Just, you know, take your time, do it right. Listen to other folks, oh, yeah. communicate. And worked out good for us. Well, we were glad to have you there. That was a Thank you. That was a great day. We are very appreciative for everything uh, Hounds for Heroes and you all have done for us this weekend. It was a great time. Well, thank you for your service. Yeah. You know, it's we wouldn't honor. be doing this without you guys. And yeah. It's an honor. God bless America. Special Amen thanks to, to uh, everybody involved. Yeah. Laurel, you held everything together at base camp. <laughs> try, to, try to make sure the coffee's hot. Well, there's morning. a lot. That, like we said, there's a lot that goes into this event. And you and Heath take on a brunt of it just because you're here. You know, it's and it is appreciated from all of us, too. So she's feeding 15 guys at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And then, you know, another 10 or 12. At How many shifts o'clock? did it take to get a night's worth of sleep the other night? Because you were making dinner. <laughs> You I you did. made so it in batches. Yeah, so they you guys had headed back to the house to go to bed, and then the guys were just goofing off and, and hanging out because they thought they were genuinely not going to get up till 7, 8 in the morning to head out. And they played cards. And well, the, the snow kinda, changed. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he gets on the trip check. Right. And he's like, oh, there's snow. And then he, I'm already kind of preemptively getting breakfast stuff going just so that I don't have to worry about it in the morning. And he turns around, and it's now 9.30, and I'm wrapping up. And he looks at me and he goes, so we're probably going to want to leave at three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so. Just like, start breakfast now. Like, so then I pretty much started breakfast and finished at 11. Then got up at two, cooked, and then got done about four, four thirty, And then the kids were up about seven ish. So I, I lots of po- coffee on my part the rest of the day. So. And, and you know, what else was nice was all of the, the snacks that you had here for us, the cliff bars, the pepperoni sticks, the jerky, whoever. Well, and Mike donated a bunch of that, right? Yeah. The butcher. So yeah, Beerman's Ranch Meats out of Burns. They've been really good to us every year. They always give us pepperoni or summer sausage. And this year they gave us some tri-tip. Um, we, one nice thing about this organization is there's so we're small enough that we aren't so big that it's intimidating to people to donate. They don't feel underappreciated or unable to give. And I love that because we've had everything donated from, you know, flashlights one year to people putting fuel into rigs to one of our, the guys actually, I don't know if you know, but if you turn around there, Dennis, there's a saw cut out with the hounds on it. And it's either for you or for Ty that uh, Dave Creekmore made that and wanted to give it to you guys. That's great. And, you know, like if you were a big organization, somebody might be like, oh, I, what, what can I do? It's like you a know? drop in the yeah. bucket. Where for us, it's, a, it's all, I think the personal relations is a huge thing and I don't want to ever lose that. Like I want to expand eventually. I would love to see us grow. And, you know, there are things like you you'd commented on that Heath and I do a lot. And yes. I have no problem. Heath and I are people of faith. We're, we're, we're a Christian family. And, um, for us, 
it is about, where your job as a Christian is to give service, to, to give back to those around you and to not ask for anything back. And it's like, I find more gratitude or more, more reward out of doing an event like this than like, say, you know, don't get me wrong, like Fern Ridge is a great club and they would have events and we would volunteer for that. And it's important to be supportive and do things together like an Elks Lodge or, you know, an IOF hall or any of those things. But when you're doing something for a greater good, it just, it's so much better. It's just something that you go, I want to do that because it means something. And I want it to mean something to you and to your son because, and I, and it does obviously. And thank you. I'm so yeah. I'm, like, I don't know. I'm sure Jason is the same way as like, I almost feel guilty when they thank us. Do you feel guilty? I do. I do too. Like, not that I'm not saying I don't want you to thank us. It's just like the thing, like what tie did going to war and you even being his father like that, that's so much more than us me making coffee and cooking it to it. That's nothing. It's like, I'm, that's, but it, I yeah. do feel it's very genuine, yeah. you know, in both ways. Oh. It's really oh, no, cool. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're glad to have a constant supply. I mean, we could hunt these vets as much as we, yeah. you know, it's not hard to find one, right? No. I mean, we can find and them. That was one of the reasons I want people that are listening to this to know that was one of the reasons we started our own foundation was that they were like having trouble finding people in Oregon. And we're like, how are you not finding veterans in Oregon that want to go bobcat? Hunt? Like, right? I can't believe that that's a thing. Like we, I don't know how many times, I mean, I think every hound guy can think of five people they've met in their life. Right. Not, I'm not even talking veterans, just general people that are going, Oh, I want to go Bobcat. What's that all about? Like what? I've never ran dogs before. I want to go coon hunting. I want to go Fox. Like I want to do all they've all, they've heard about it or have seen it on TV on the hunting shows and they want to go experience it. And it's like, don't get me wrong. It's fun taking those people, but I just, the dynamics with taking veterans, it's just always, it's never it's been different. an off year. We've never had a year where that was like, ah, oh, that was, and we don't know what's coming into it. You know, we've had people with physical conditions that made it a little tougher to get around, you know, uh, PTSD. I mean, you don't know what's going to cause a flare up. Like it, there's so many moving pieces. Yeah. This is going to sound really bad to say probably, but there's so much that could go wrong as oh, far as right. you know, triggering you know, bad memories or PTSD or things well, like that. Well, and the that sleep even. deprivation sleep. Can be, could be detrimental to someone, yep. honestly. Oh, well, we've had people tell us like flat out, this was almost harder than like basic training. The sleep deprivation really got to him after day number two. I mean, it was bad. So we're glad to have you here. I really hope they get a Kataya cat. Yeah. If not, we'll go hit it first thing in the morning and try to get one before you guys take off. Yeah. I really hope he gets one tonight as well. That would be great for him. But if he doesn't, I know that him and Heath had a great time in the cab of that pickup for the last Oh, I'm sure they've got a whole album recorded by now. Oh, my gosh. Well, Dennis, thank you so much for your service. I appreciate all you have done for us over this weekend. And Laurel, thanks for sitting down. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, I'm hoping maybe, fingers crossed, maybe tomorrow you can pin the other two down after they get an hour and a half sleep. Yeah, we're going to let him get a nap first because <laughs> yeah. I have seen Heath. Heath does crash after yeah, day three. Like it's usually a little rough. It's like a toddler after a sugar high. Is That's exactly a good way to put it. Is. It's exactly he like gets, that. like all happy and then he crashes and then he's kind He's of like, glassed over. Yep. Yeah. Nope, nope that was a good time. In. Well, thank you guys again. All right. You bet. Thanks.